With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Uh, no, no I, I just I just thought you said something else. I thought you were like Mandalay in the streets. I was like, I don't know what that is. That sounds sketchy. Um, well, uh, this is this is probably also sketchy because it has no followers. So <laughs> you definitely have some. Uh, yeah, there's something going on Russian bot or something. Yeah, I think there's a lot of that going on. Um, God, XYZ789. That's a great Twitter name. <laughs> All right. Um, since I'm going to, like, I guess, like, jump, like, kick it off, I'm just going to do my countdown. So, countdown in five, four, three, two, one. Welcome to the Posting and Toasting Show. I'm Drew. Schwinn's here. What up, Schwinn? What up, what up, what up, what up? And today we have a very special episode because it's another crossover episode. And you may be wondering who we're crossing over with again. And it's the usual suspects. I mean, we're not really that creative. We don't really know that many people. So we're crossing over with Nick's Film School podcast once again. And so our first guest, well, not really guests, we're kind of crossing over it's all the same thing so the other host of the of this podcast is going to be jonathan macri what up mac hey um what's going on drew how are you <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. that wasn't awkward or weird or anything like that um i'm sorry i'm scrolling through twitter and i just saw schwinn's tweet about uh going out on a limb uh chad chad ford good one schwinn i like that he's such a fuckweed <laughs> I, I, no comment <clears throat> Not, we can get in the chat for it later. And the other co-host is Jeremy Cohen. What up, Jeremy? Hey, I hope this is slightly a less awkward uh, introduction. What's up, guys? Oh, What's up? How's it going? Kind of How are you guys handling quarantine so far? Uh, pretty much the same as I've been handling it the last, like, 17 weeks that we've been talking. <laughs> What's that? <laughs> just just drinking, drinking off type thing? Yeah, yeah. Basically, just, uh, you know. Jerking off, drinking, uh, <laughs> not taking care of myself, you know, occasionally watching basketball. That's about it. How many how many times have you watched the Frank twenty and ten game? <laughs> I only watched that like once. It's not a good game at all. It's a no, it really it actually isn't a good game. I've actually watched the Rockets game, I think, four or five times. Yeah, I've only watched the twenty like the twenty ten game is just like, all right, so the Knicks 
I mean, nobody gave a shit that game. Apparently, no. Like, it was only it was only Frank, and it was and just Portis. Portis. Port- Good old Bobby Portis. We need to bring Portis back. I think we should max him. I've come around. Uh, I've come full. I've come full circle on Bobby Portis. He's entered like the Jared Jack realm of like, I know he has flaws, but I don't really care because I like him. Type of a. Uh, I don't. I don't think that's a full circle. I think that's a one eighty. Oh no! Yes. Yeah, you're very well done. Look at you, Shwin. Look yes. at you, Mister uh, Math. Math was over here. Well, I'm sober, so. Um, <laughs> I reached the stage of quarantine today where I uh, my my I'm trying to just introduce my daughter to new different stuff. So um, earlier in the day, I was showing her some music videos um, of some of my favorite artists, including uh, Britney Spears and Madonna. Um, so that was that was fun. And then uh, we watched The Rise of Skywalker before, and I got through about 20 minutes of it, and that is just. Um, Boy, what a silly, silly exercise in I don't know what. Um, yeah, that's how quarantine is going for me. I still haven't watched that. I need to catch up on uh, that. I've just been watching way too much Law and Order, which I don't think is a bad thing. If if Lawrence, if watching Law and Order is um, something you do during quarantine, I've been in quarantine since I was. I was going to say since I was like yeah, like ten years old. Yeah. I mean, I've watched way too many Law and Orders. This is one which is, I'm watching because SVU is the only thing on Hulu. And I'm watching season 12 right now, and I'm like, I don't think I've ever actually watched season 12 of Law and & Order. And I just find it interesting. I'm like, wow, this is actually kind of refreshing, because I've seen the first, like, 10 seasons of SVU God knows how many times. And then the new ones pop on every, you know, now and then. But, uh, uh that's what we need to do. We need to get what's-his-name on the show. Was it Warren Lighty? Warren Light? Is that, uh... The show runner right now? Yeah, yeah, sure. Let's do it. Let's get him on. Let's get him on with, uh... With Miranda, yeah, him and Futternick. Futter, yeah, we can just do <laughs> just do Law and Order and just basically ask him like, how is it like working with Ice T? Mm, yeah, yeah, good old SVU. I'm more of an original Law and Order fan. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I I don't. I've watched one episode of SVU and it's because a, a buddy of mine was in it. Um, because doesn't everybody have a friend who was in an episode of Law and Order or Law and Order SVU or like? Yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, I mean, is it Futternick? <laughs> uh, he may have been. No, no, it's it's uh it's a different a different. Friend. I'm pretty sure Futter next been in Law and Order. I I would hope so. And the only way to find out is to watch every single episode. Yeah, I'm just, I'm just gonna keep watching every single episode. Be like, there he is. I've done that already a number of times with uh. I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty Futter. sure they're gonna find a vaccine before we have enough time to watch every episode of all of the Law and Order. So I don't know if that's gonna work out. Yeah, you'd be surprised. You would be surprised. So I'm looking it up on IMDb, and uh, I don't see any Law and Order, but I do love Futternick's uh, bio, which is born in Huntington, New York, and raised in Hartford, Connecticut. David has always been pretty Jewish. <laughs> that's that's one of the best opening sentences of a bio I will have ever read. So David, I love it. Oh man! All right. Well, we need to get uh. So it looks like we definitely gotta get Warren on to be like, you gotta get Futternick on Law and Order. So, all right, that's our that's our new mission. Um, so on today's episode, we didn't really plan too much other than a statement I'm going to kick off the show with because I've been thinking about it for a while. I'm, and I'm just going to put it out there and just, you know, with no more, you know, mumbo jumbo right now. I don't think tanking actually works. And 
I've been thinking about this for a while now. I am someone who does at least sympathize with like the, you know, Hinkian logic in terms of where do you find superstars? And if you're a certain team to tank in order to find one, but I don't actually think that level of purposely losing and getting in, you know, like finishing with like the worst record and getting the odds is actually, I don't think it's ever really been successful. And I don't think it actually works. I think a lot of it more is just luck in terms of where you end up in the lottery during a specific year. Because. Well, I mean, like the lottery is luck, though. I don't know how you can like, like, I don't know how to dissociate those two concepts because like part of getting part of winning the lottery is i mean it's just luck inherently but like i mean if you're doing that over a three four year period you're giving yourself a chance to like actually win the lottery like i mean theoretically if you give yourself a chance in three or four years in a row of like a top I guess five pick now. Um, mm-hmm. Let's say you finish with like top three or four odds every single one of those years. The odds are you're going to get a couple of top five picks. Just the odds. Like no. they work in your favor. Right. It's just more of like, it's also like when you tank, like in the specific draft and those sort of things. Like I'm just like right now there has been like ideas, the idea of like the Knicks should tank this season. I've seen that a couple of times on Twitter from people because there's this this Cade was it Cade Cunningham or something along. There's a he's one of the guys. There's a there's a few guys. I I have not um gone full um like dove headfirst yet into the waters of the 2021 draft class. But my understanding is that there are three different guys who have the potential to be franchise changing type talents. Now I say that with as obviously it's a massive caveat because I think. Um, a year in, well, not a year and change ago, like a year and a half ago, uh, you might have said the same thing about like Nas Little or Cam Reddish. And I'm sure we, like, obviously we could go back throughout the years and mm-hmm. like, I'm sure, I'm sure Harry Giles was thought of as that, like, once upon a like, it, he was the number one prospect. You, you never, well, Harry Giles yeah. was like, yeah, yeah, Schwinn, go there. on. <laughs> Did Schwinn go? <laughs> Did Schwinn get so excited about Harry Giles that his mic cut out? It's for some reason with my mic where it just keeps going like in and out. You guys can't edit this out. You have to leave it. Do you think oh, I act- how much ed- how much editing do you think I actually do on these things? Come on now. Yeah. But like Harry Giles was actually awesome before his body broke down. So it's not like he he's not a good example of that. But I get what you're saying. Like, yeah. Or like Trey Young, what whether you think he's a, a winning player in the future or not. I mean, he's a, he's a great player right now at the very least. Maybe it's not winning, but he That's was nowhere favorite. near the lottery coming into the season. And then he exploded on the scene and uh, his, he shot up the draft words and he went fifth. No, I mean, I get that. It's just like, the more I think about it, I'm just like, it. there's like a logic to it that works to me, at least in like NBA 2K, right? Where there isn't any level of interpersonal dynamics that you don't actually have to deal with because you're just playing a video game right so like you could in theory do that year and year and year again so i mean like isn't i mean there's there's like a lot of angles to this but i don't think you i don't think you can actually say even though i'm not somebody that believes that like i mean hinky has basically said it right that like 
you can maximize your odds the best you can at the start of whatever path you choose. But like once you get to a certain point, it all boils down to just like your ability. What's up? To like? What's up? To luck. Boils down to yeah, luck. I mean, not just to luck, but like, you know, you can even if you draft like the Thunder drafted Kevin Durant, Russell Westbrook, and got Serge Ibaka later in the lottery and got Harden. Okay, they got so they had three straight lottery picks that they drafted MVPs on, and then they got like the ultimate kind of four or five hybrid big man. Okay. And they did this in three drafts. And they didn't win a championship. So like, and yes, we can go like we can argue about why they didn't and there's different things. But like what I'm saying is that that I mean that's the point though. Is like you can like you can tank and hit it out of the park and like you not win a title, but does that mean it was not the right approach? And like, and not just that, even if you do it and you hit it out of the park, that doesn't mean you're going to win a title. Like to me, there's no 100%. Like, like I, I hate the idea that there's a right way to rebuild. Like, like for example, if the Knicks, the Knicks last year, if they signed like Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving got the Zion pick and traded all that for AD, like, is that the right way to build? No. But, like, would any of us give a fuck? No, we wouldn't give a shit because we would be, like, pre-Kevin Durant destroying his Achilles. We would have been like, all right, well, we're about to win a championship inevitably at some point because Kevin Durant, Anthony Davis, and Kyrie Irving is inevitably winning a championship barring, like, you know, injuries, which apparently now is a big concern for two of them, uh, two out of the three at least. Um, But, like, that's what I mean. Like, there's no right way to rebuild. There's, like, things you can do that are right, but... Like, like for example, the idea of you don't want to commit like long term big salaries until you have a few building blocks in place. That is like a general thing that makes sense, right? Like things like that make sense. Uh, you want to have as many assets as you can so that when you get good, you can start using those assets to like add pieces. And Philly actually they great position to be in they had simmons they had Embiid, they had all these picks all these assets they double max space and they fucked it all up but like the situation was great hinky put them in a great situation and i'm still not sold that hinky like like if he stayed on they would have definitely like you know he was 100 gonna put together a title team probably would have done a better job than elton brand's done um but like like i just don't know if there's a right way or a wrong way i don't think tanking is wrong i also like don't agree with the idea that if you don't tank it's stupid and it's wrong and like there's nothing productive that comes with it there's nothing productive that comes from like trying to gradually get better through perhaps signing a free agent or trading for like somebody that gets you up the win curve like i'm not with this I, i think it's weird that we have this all or nothing kind of like view of tanking where it's like you just tank until you land Hakeem Olajuwon or Michael Jordan or some like just surefire as soon as they step on the NBA hardwood you're like okay well this guy is definitely gonna be a superstar like that's insane to me I don't think that makes any sense but like you know I mean I get it does it like I don't know I I just I think there's like levels to it and I think you can find merits in any argument I just don't like the, the idea that you should not try to win any like you should just keep trying to maximize your lottery odds until you get that type of like no-brainer surefire from day one like hall of fame talent i think that's 
I'm very against that. I don't think that makes sense. It's cowardly. That's what I think it is. I think it's, I think it's a coward's fucking chicken shit way of like being smart and like minimizing risk. It also, it also doesn't necessarily mean that it is the wrong way to go about it. And I, I've someone I'm, I have been someone who has argued repeatedly in the past with um, certain folks on Twitter who we don't need to talk about right now about like the, the point you just said. Um, you can tell Dave early. That, that <laughs> I didn't want to say his name. <laughs> no, but like the, the idea that everything, like there is no such thing as laying the groundwork if the superstar isn't, as pl- isn't in place um, when that groundwork is being laid. And I think you could certainly look to examples in NBA history like, you know, obviously we're all watching the Jordan doc right now. The the Bulls were as much of a disaster as any organization, um, you know, in the NBA. And then one guy comes in and obviously none of that mattered. But that's also kind of a, a unique example. I think there's other examples where you could, you know, clearly say that the things that were going on either contributed to uh, getting the guy to walk through the door if we're looking um, over the, the last 10 years. I mean, the Heat obviously jump out as an example. And you know, even though it was a trade, the the Raptors of last year, I think they're, you know, everything, every all the years leading up to Kawhi. That's why, you know, there's so much, <laughs> there's so much about this conversation that's difficult to have because, like, let's start here. Sam Hinkie took his job in 2013 and he ran the numbers and basically said, if you don't draft a superstar, your odds or if you can draft like a superstar, your odds of winning a championship go up exponentially. I think the amount of player movement and um, both via in free agency and, and just demanding trades has increased itself exponentially since Sam Hickey, Sam Hickey took that job. And I wonder if you would necessarily have the same view now. That's the I'm first pre- thing. I'm pretty sure he said before that like, the re- like if he took a job now because of how the teams value like you know Second when he took picks. over not not even just that side like teams val like when he was take when he took over trading unprotected first wasn't like this taboo thing that never had like that happened all the time yeah, like, yeah. trading unprotected first was not this like no oh my god like now well, if you get unprotected first it's like you the know, next. The Nets trade changed all that, and that was in two thousand thirteen. Fourteen. Yeah, it was, was between the it was it was between uh, the fifty four win season and trading Bargnani. No, um, no one wants the Billy King. <laughs> that's basically what. Yeah, yeah I mean, but I mean, that like I think Hinky has said though, basically like you know the market has changed. So if he took over a team now, he knows that doing what he did might not necessarily be like the way to go about. It's it's not it's not as clear cut of an advantage, and especially with the lottery odds now, I'm sure it would change. Like, well, could we talk about the math for a second? Because once upon a time, bottom three guaranteed, or sorry, worst record guaranteed you sixty percent top three and no worse than four. Now it guarantees you thirty. Um, doing math in my head real quick, thirty eight percent chance at top three. Maybe I'm off by a percentage point and no worse than five. That's a that's a that's a sizable difference. I, yeah. No, that's true. But I'm just trying to think even then maybe I should maybe rephrase some of what I'm trying to get at is also like a lot of people will talk about the idea of tanking. I do think there's a difference between like tanking and rebuilding and like doing certain things like that. But when we mention like when has tanking been successful 
And a lot of people will point to, I think a lot of people will point to the Sixers as somewhat of an example. And I don't know how to like really take that in as a, like a yes or well, no. The Sixers I don't basically, like, there are a couple of lotteries away from being nowhere near as good as this well, is. Like they're, they're what, a best what I, case scenario. Right. In a right lot so of ways. What I'm kind of asking is, how do you evaluate something where that is so dependent on luck? And I think that's what I'm really stuck on at the so, moment. I mean, like when you say, what is, what's the definition of success? Because like, if you want to go by, back way in the day, Houston tanked, they got Ralph Sampson. They tanked the next year. They get Hakeem Olajuwon. And then within, I think by Hakeem's second or th- I think his third season, they were in the NBA finals having smacked the Lakers in the Western right. Conference Finals. That was also pre-lottery, if I'm not mistaken. I I don't think so. I think there was no, there was definitely still a lottery because Ewing the Ewing draft was the like first something too. Um there there was a lottery. It just wasn't quite Yeah, it was different. Now. Yeah. Okay. And and so all I'm saying is like they I mean and then Samson like has all these injuries and they have a bunch of guys doing blow. They get kicked out of the league. Like it's like I mean they didn't win, but I mean, I would consider that a successful like tanking job. Like, I think, I think Oklahoma City is a successful tanking job. I'm trying to think. Like, like I think there are. I mean, Orlando. I know they didn't necessarily tank. Um, they got very, very, very fortunate. With, especially you, with the pen, with the Hardaway pick, they got really fortunate. No, no, the Hardaway pick was oh, the, was the, the biggest one? freak of luck. No, so yeah, the yeah. Hardaway pick was what. Um, was what had the was what forced the league to change the rules about the weighted lottery because they were the first team out of the or the sorry the last last team out of the playoffs that year right. and they managed to jump all the way up to one. I think you, you may be thinking season, I think that was Shaq's rookie season. You may yeah. be thinking of the Dwight Howard year because they they were pretty crappy the year before. Yeah, no, I mean, drafted. I'm just I'm just thinking of like teams in the like I mean, arguably the Bulls tanked right to get in that jordan draft maybe they just sucked i don't know i would have to go back and look but like i think tanking is not it's not a novel con- like the, the celtics literally did tank they tanked twice they tanked for tim duncan and didn't get tim duncan haha <laughs> fuck you uh and then, and then they tanked for durant yeah and they didn't get it they got, ended up getting the fifth pick which they roundabout ended up winning a championship because but like you know yeah like the, these are the things that it's you need to maximize your odds and then you have to hope to get lucky. But like, I think ultimately the point is if you, if you don't like historically the top three picks, I, like the top five picks really are like where most superstars are, are found. If and, yeah, for the most part. Yeah. And so like, you know, if you land there, that's half the job done. But like, even within the top five, if you go back, like looking at a 10 year period, there's a bunch of times like the second, third and fourth picks end up being jack shit. And the fifth well, guy is awesome or something like I think Jeremy, in that case, you, you could make Jeremy, case. you've done a lot of work with this, right? Yeah. Basically. I think the, the way you could look at it is like, if you're not the absolute worst team in the league and tanking is your goal, then you've probably failed. It doesn't mean you can't pick well. It's just in the sense of like the warriors right now, right? They're guaranteed to finish in the top five. And they could land anywhere in there. They could screw up with their pick. They could strike gold. But if we're looking at the history of, like you're saying, Schwinn, where it's like the five picks, the first five are great, then if you're the Warriors, you're like, okay, well, we've got a great chance of landing some top talent. It's now on us to 
find that level of talent. And I think, um, you know, the odds have changed, but a really great case study is the 2011-12 Bobcats, where they finished with the worst record in NBA history. <laughs> Seven and and, <laughs> and they thought that they were going to get, you know, Anthony, Anthony Davis. Davis. And they fell to two. And who do they pass on? They pass on Bradley Beal. They pass on Damian Lillard. They pass on Andre Drummond. So it's not like, you know, th- their case scenario where it's like they had three all-stars fall right in their laps and they passed on all of them. So was that season worth it? Was Michael Kidd Gilchrist worth it? No. But then you look at a team like um, one of my favorite ones, honestly, is the Pacers, where basically over the last 30 years, they have not made a single top 10 pick. And, you know, I mean, like you're saying, is success measured by titles? I think more so now than it used to be, sure. But this is a team that just in the last decade went to the Eastern Conference Finals multiple times and with different stars. So if you're able to pull something like that off and really only thing standing your way is LeBron James, um, I, I'm trying, I think it was Charles Barkley who said this past weekend where it was like, okay, um, basically I wasn't upset that we lost to LeBron because to me it was like, if you lose Jordan, LeBron, that's easy, saying, excuse me, enjoy. Easy, yeah, easy there. Come on now. <laughs> I want to say it was a Freudian slip, but it was just an accident. Um, if, if you are, and, and to be fair, Paul George was drafted 10th overall, but so earlier than top 10, sure. They haven't done it since like Rick Smith's or something. Yeah. Um, but with Jordan and Barkley, it's like if you're going to lose the best, then you kind of just have to acknowledge it, and that's fine. And so the Pacers losing multiple times to LeBron, like, it's just that's just the way it is. But the team itself, I mean, they took LeBron to seven games when he was with the Heat. And maybe if things go their way, who knows what happens in the finals. Like, it's all that where it's like, would you say that's a more successful um regime or history than what the Sixers have done right now? Maybe. Um, and we can I talk mean, about what would have happened with Sam. Yeah, well, yeah, right, it has exactly. If we could talk about, I was saying more projections because the Pacers yeah. thing is more. Yeah, but at the but, same but time, still, is, there any point, is there any point in time, if we take every one of the last 10 years of the, um, of the Pacers um, as, as we know them in the last decade, is there any one of those single seasons Take any, pick any, any of the rosters from any of those 10 years. Would you trade? What would you rather have that roster in that year or the Sixers roster right now? And I would argue what, or the Sixers roster. Yeah. Or the Sixers roster right now. And I I know what you're going to say. You're going to say they've screwed it up because they have Harford on a big contract and they bumble fucked Jimmy Butler and the whole thing. I get all that. They still have a guy who could be the best guy on a championship team. And we've, we've gone over this with Embiid before. And another guy who's pretty damn good, whether they could ever play together is, well, maybe we'll take some creativity, but I, from that perspective, and that was always Hinky's MO, right? He's like, and that's why the, the conversation we got, we're having here about, well, it's luck, but it's odds. He knew it was luck, which is why he wanted to maximize his odds of getting the best luck, which was the whole thing behind. No, we're not going to do this for a year or two years. We're going to do this for, you know, what I guess what ended up being three. Well, no, I guess yeah, it was three years. Three years. Um, I, I don't know. I, I think it's, and then of course the other part of this conversation because the Warriors didn't intend to tank the year before they got Steph Curry, um, but or sorry, I'm. Um, the year before they got Harrison Barnes, uh, that was the year they tanked really. Yeah, and they got Barnes. Like I don't know how big, how important was Barnes? 
the Spurs kind of pivoted into a tank the year they got Duncan. Like that's an example. Like there's other examples out there. We're I think we're focused on like season long tanks, which is yeah. Incredible. I mean, it, it's different to say like let's tank this year. Okay, okay. Let's. I I think it's reasonable at any point. Like like for example, uh, Oklahoma City. I could totally see them being like, look, we're not going to keep Gallinari. Let's get Paul out of here and let's just like play the young guys, quote unquote, and you know, tank this year. Let's see what it like. Well, you know how they how you'd frame it is like, let's just see how the chips fall. Like, we just want to see the young guys play. Like, that's how you'd frame it. But we know what that means, right? Okay, but I also that actually brings up a question I do want to ask is is that actually tanking? Because I don't know if that's actually tanking. It's not tanking, but it's like you all like I think I think the reality is like there are times where it's okay for a franchise. To just be like, yeah, this year, like, look, we're just going to put the young guys and it's great if they like exceed expectations, but we're not going to even sweat it a little bit if they completely suck. And actually, we kind of hope they do completely suck. Like, I think that's a very like, okay thing to do for a season. It maybe even right. the, the Grizzlies essentially did it this past year. The only thing was they didn't have their own pick. Right. So and it's like it, it, and just, it worked I, out very well for them. And I would argue that that's not actually tanking. Right. So. I, I, I kind of look at it like. um you know, with the Supreme Court justice where it had to do with pornography, it's like, I know it when I see it. That's kind of how I, I feel it. It's very subjective, but you can't necessarily say like, OK, well, um, the Sixers model is tanking. Like, yeah, I mean, that's that appears to me. But I'm reading tanking to the top right now. And Hinky's basically how how much of a um, how much he stressed player development really stood out to me because I had always thought, you know, it was. Just he wants to get rid of the best players and he's cool with losses. And that, that wasn't wrong, but his focus with Brett Brown on trying to make the players in the building the best that they could be said to me, yeah, this is still tanking, but you know, you're still trying to do everything you can to maximize your player's strength. Is that development? Is that tanking? Is it, is it both? When is it one and when is it the other? I- isn't I think- it, but isn't it two separate conversations about yes. it's yes. they were – it is putting your best foot forward with what you have in the locker room. It is absolutely 100% putting your best foot forward with what you already have in the locker room, but it is taking a completely different view from the front office. I mean, fuck, we could go back to Major League, the movie. Um, it's like they try, the front office tried to tank, and the players yeah. were too good for it. And that's I would argue, actually, that's almost maybe what happened in Oklahoma City this year. I, I mean, yeah, who knows, yeah. but... I mean, I don't know if they wanted a tank, but I think they were like, like, we're not going to, I think their idea was we're not going to be that good. So some team in like a couple months will probably want to trade for Chris Paul and we can like yes. move on with Bingo. their lives. And that's not what happened. But like, that's okay. I mean, it, it, it doesn't really even matter. Like, that's just what happened there. But like, I mean, if we just look at last, going back to last summer, okay, like this is what I never understand about this conversation because to me, the idea of like everybody that preaches like, oh, you should tank and that's the right way to do it. And like that, that's the way to build. These are the same people that will then like shit on the Knicks last year for being completely garbage, which is like, according to them, the right thing to do now. But like they sucked and then they didn't get Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving and they didn't get Kawhi Leonard and they didn't get any of these guys. And where did those guys go? They went to teams that just like, were competent and did like very had like very boring but fun for their fans eight seed seasons and like like so I don't really agree with the idea that 
tanking is 100%, especially when you adjust for markets. Okay, like, like it is different to, for me. Like, if you are... It's very different. If you are right. fucking Atlanta, you should tank. You should tank because nobody gives a shit about your team. Nobody gives a fuck, a single fucking fuck about your <laughs> stupid fucking team and Trey Young our, putting up... We got our first fucking fuck out of the podcast. Like, this is nobody great. cares. <laughs> nobody cares about half these teams. Like, nobody cares about you, Charlotte. Tank. Like, nobody <clears> cares about you... In Minneapolis, you tanked. You got Cat. He blows. I'm sorry. Maybe you should tank again instead of trading for D'Lo. Like, there are all these teams that it makes complete sense to tank for at all times. Even maybe not not at all times, but you get what I'm saying. Like, like very. They have like a very much like. It makes a lot more sense for them in a lot more circumstances. Can I can I toss something out? How like how much and this obviously speaks ill of the Knicks a little bit, but mostly it speaks ill of Cat. How smart would it be for Minnesota to go to Leon Rose and be like, "We'll we'll trade you, Carl Anthony Towns. Just give us um un- like three future unprotected firsts." Yeah, I mean, and, I would trade Towns Towns for. I mean, and, you could probably get a lot for him still. And then and then they could uh, trade D'Lo for something, and then they could just basically do what Hinky Sixers tried to do for three seasons. And maybe even if they like, and you could like turn more stuff over that you come in like that to me, even though the math isn't the same, I completely agree with you. I would still do that if I was some shitty team. um, And like, I had the opportunity to do so. Cause that's, and and that's, I I was going to say, I don't call that tanking though. But that is tanking. That's not tanking. I don't know what what I think tanking. I think tanking is the intentional way an organization is saying we're going to purposely make our team worse but trading and not best players in terms no of, because see, cat's not good okay but cat's not good in oh, D-Lo's not good. No, we're, you're, we're not, you're, doing, we're you're, not yeah like i don't like these guys either but they're not good like i can understand you're saying like they're not really franchise chasing but like right that's what i'm saying that's what i'm saying yeah, so like they're not good like like drew holiday like how is that how is that tanking but trading cat and like wouldn't be tanking. I would the reason I would say the Sixers what they were doing was tanking is that they were specifically also they weren't really looking to actually replace anything. Like they were specifically just bringing up like G leaguers and just throwing shit into the fan. Like they never actually attempted to but that's what improve the team. Yeah, that's what I'm suggesting. But if, if you're, you're not the trying, reason, yeah. Well, yeah, sorry, yeah. I don't I think if you're so, not trying at all, then then I mean, sure, you could say that's not tanking, but then you could also point out the fact that if you never even made an attempt, then that constitutes implicitly as tanking as well. Like, and these are businesses too. Let's not forget these are all we have to see is is the Rockets, for example, as a team that's just <laughs> going to be starving for money after all this. And <laughs> See, wait, a minute, wait a minute. Tillman Fertitta has all the money he needs. He just just ask him. He's yeah. He, so. He's just not liquid. It's okay. Um. <laughs> But the fact Didn't you is just that take out a loan. To like yeah, he, did. <laughs> he bragged about the goddamn loan that he took yeah, out. Yeah. He, he doesn't need cash million? so yeah, he doesn't need cash so hard that he got he took out a loan and gave a thirteen percent interest rate on it. Sure. <laughs> anyway, Jared, keep going. Yeah, so if you're a business and you're basically now saying we just traded for Delo, we traded for Cat from an asset standpoint. I mean, that's definitely tanking if you trade them. But what are you going to market? Like, I understand a team like the Pistons, right? They were such a mediocre, low ceiling team, and no one goes to watch them anyway. So if they're 28th in attendance, home attendance, and they're that bad, 
then you might as well just be the worst you can be. Like it makes sense for them because no one's really going to go to their games. And I don't think that there's a huge following because it's just when teams, especially in smaller markets, when they lose, then there's, there's less of an, of a desire. And then, you know, this is a weird era, but in terms of coronavirus, but you see merchandise go down, you see even more people not attending, but for some places it does make sense. Like, like Schwinn was saying, but I mean, those are absolutely all-star players. If you, whether or not you feel that they can, you can build a winning team around them is a different story. But trading them from your roster, especially after you've been so bad to the point where you've made what one playoff appearance in the last almost twenty years, then you're saying to your stakeholders, "Hey, we have no intention of winning because we we may be bad, but now we want to be abysmal." Well, and no, that's what I, I, okay, so that's not how I'm actually processing that. So to me, it is what they did didn't work, right? So the idea of like doing the whole towns thing and all that sort of stuff, like it didn't work. And then so they decided to trade them. So if they go from abysmal because they're just taking a bunch of draft picks I, for these players, then I would say, okay, they're not putting their best foot no, forward. But if you're, they you're say, assuming it'll never work, right? It's no, 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 not, no, no, it's that hazard. is an opinion. That's an opinion. It has not worked yet. I don't, I think there are semi-intelligent NBA observers out there who think that Carl Anthony Towns it like you could build a championship level team. Okay, let me that t- okay. I just gotta say anybody that's semi-intelligent can't think that because if you're an H if you're a fifth year max okay, if you're a fifth year name me a guy, a fit let me one fucking stud number one dude on a title team who in their fifth year lost eighteen straight games when they're on the court. I, I would love to know one guy in the history of the nba who's been the best I can, the team that's of course that. i can name one but what i what i because will give you doesn't exist. i what i will give you in response is if you're asking me is there a theoretical universe we're getting off topic so we shouldn't spend a long time no, on this we are, is there a theory, i did get you to actually make my point so is, go ahead is, is there a theoretical universe where you can take one of the let's generously say five worst defensive centers in the league. Five, let's say let's say three worst defensive centers in the league and but is also arguably the best offensive center in the league. Is there a theoretical lineup you could build around that guy it, with salary restraints, salary restraints that could compete for a championship? And my argument is yes. They uh, haven't yeah, done it. Obviously. But like I think I think you can argue anything conceptually like that. Like I could build you a roster that would have worked with salary constraints that would have delivered a title to New York with Carmelo Anthony as the best player on the team. Is that a realistic path to chase? Was it a realistic path to chase, especially given all the other shit that went on? Probably not. And the fact of the matter is Carmelo Anthony's defense at the three or the four is way less important than Carl Anthony Towns' defense at the five. That's like true. the fact Carl Anthony Towns is putting up like historically unreal ridiculous numbers offensively insane like absolutely ridiculous i can't even i'm not even like being sarcastic at all like it's historically amazing what he's doing offensively and they were worse than the motherfucking knicks like that that shit that tells you everything you need to know they had a better record without him this year playing georgie fucking jang at the five like There's no talent on that roster. Like, if the argument that talent They did a no- terrible job putting the roster together the around... But did better without him. Like, this is your star uh, on I'm a not, team... I'm not disagreeing with, no with talent. you. Like, I'm, if okay. the argument is he has no talent around him, which I actually agree, like, they don't have much talent around him, 
but that no talent is performing better without him on the court. Like, sure, I'm sure they're like over a longer sample, that wouldn't be the case. But like, I mean, it says something about talents and just like what he is. And, you know, I mean, this like they actually they, the athletic this week, they've been doing all these uh, like these do over things for all these oh, different yeah. franchises. And they did one with KG. And it's like if you look through some of those rosters, KG was carrying they're worse than the rosters that Towns. Oof, been playing yeah, those, there were some really bad KG teams and, and like, dragging and, them. And like, so, so like, like, I mean, this, this actually is part of the like. If you get a player like KG, okay, we all, you know, we all hate KG as Knicks, as true blue Knicks fans. I hope we right. all hate KG here. We hate um, he's the worst. So, like, but that's a guy you get him. They didn't even get him. What was he like? The was he the he was he was the fifth pick or something? Like yeah, that? he wasn't. He, he, he was yeah, he the fifth, fifth pick. He, but but hold on, it was in an era where there was still a stigma. Um, yeah, he still went fifth though. No, no, I, I mean, I, I wasn't. I'm just bringing that up to say, okay, he went fifth, okay? You landed that guy in the lottery, okay? So I don't think, let's forget the idea of tanking, okay? Because the idea of tanking ultimately is that, like, you get the guy, right? That's the point. Can can I just say one thing before you move on? I think that this very discussion about Towns is uh, illustrative of a very important point, which is that if you... um, if you p- do it perfectly, right, and you get the number one pick, and it's a number one pick in a year where everybody agrees the guy is, you know, the best thing since sliced bread, which we everybody agreed Carl Anthony Towns was, right? Um, oh, uh, yeah. And, and, mm-hmm. and certainly as a rookie, everybody still thought it, and even several years. And here, here's me making this argument right now. Done everything right, and you still, it's still not working. And... To your point, Schwinn, whether I'm right and it's possible or whether you're right and it's impossible, I think we would all agree that it is not going to be easy, at the very least, to build a winning roster around that guy. So it's like, let's say, even with the rule changes and even with the odds going down and even with like the chance that you're not going to be at the top in a draft that has a guy like that and that the guy's actually going to like turn out to be what everybody says he's going to be, it could even if all, all those are not issues, it could still go wrong. As opposed to, I think the alternate path is um, you have more of control. I guess is maybe the best way to put it. Yeah, it's. I mean, it's definitely the thing. And I mean, the only reason I brought up the KG thing was because, like, you know, we can. If you don't have any of the other infrastructure in place, it doesn't matter if your tank works. Like, if you have no concept of how to build around a team around. Once you get the guy, you, you need to have a plan of like, okay, we got the guy, now what do we do, right? Like, you can't get the guy and be like, yay, okay, like, let's sign Anthony Peeler. You know, like, that's not a plan. <laughs> that's not a plan. And that's like, like, Hinky, I, we don't know. We really don't know if he had a plan other than, I mean, I, I'm assuming he did because he's an intelligent guy. And like, but we don't know if that plan was going to work. There's all these things, right? Like, it's about getting the guy. And when you get the guy, then what do you do? Like, I don't, and I think there's multiple ways to get the proverbial guy. We've seen it. And, like, that's why I brought up last summer. Because the Clippers didn't have a star. They didn't, what was their, who was their star? Jerry West, old ass in the front office? That was their star? Like, they didn't have a star. 
They didn't have a star. And I'm just like, like, but like Gallo, no, Gallo, Gallo was basically the appeal, but that's not enough to go. But they used the leverage they had to essentially trade for Paul George, as you know, obviously. But, but it's you know, like I'm curious, what does that deal look like if they just have cap space instead, right? What if they don't trade Gallo to the Thunder? What does that deal look like? Are they just kind of absorbing money and Oklahoma City's happy because they don't have to deal with more salary on their books? Or yeah, would they prefer? I, I mean, I'm guessing the, the draw for OKC was just like all the other picks they were getting out of it. Oh, sure. Uh, and not and they also like, probably thought that they could trade, as as you said, they could trade Gallinari at the yeah. deadline, get something for him, and and go from there. And obviously, I, they don't I, have think, they, they I think they did. totally could have. They just works like they just demanded a first, and I guess they just didn't get the first. But I'm sure if they were like, okay, fine, we'll take two seconds or three seconds or something, they would have gotten a deal done. Uh, right. I there think that was still because Miami uh, refused to extend Gallo into uh, or past the summer of 2021. I, if I, yeah. That was the rec- reporting I remember. Anyway, neither here nor there. Yeah, it just, it's just like, like I think in a, in a market like New York, the key is to actually get good. Because if you get good, you will get a star to come here. Like I really don't give a fuck what anybody thinks about like the Knicks being a joke and James Dolan and what all this stuff like it doesn't matter to me because like the Knicks barely were even competent and as soon as they were barely competent you had Melo like banging down the door to get here Chris Paul wanted to like you know toast at his goddamn wedding about it like it's obvious that there's still like a draw to be living in New York and be the star of the Knicks and it's like like we it's fine to like make fun of that and I get it of course like it's been a running we've been a joke for 20 years so like i understand it but like if the knicks get good i think anybody i mean players have said richard jefferson has said this like who loves to clown the knicks more than anybody he's like yeah man he's like if the knicks ever get their shit together guys will want to go there it's not like guys don't want to go there they want to go there when the knicks get their shit together so it's like to me when i keep reading stuff like that i think for the knicks it's more important for them to Sure. Like you could part of like you could make part of getting your shit together. You could drop a plan where we're tanking is key to that. But I think there's also a way to enact plan, get your shit together without tanking. And I I think that's fine too. And I just like I, I think there are ways it's just easy it's it's a lot easier for me to explain to somebody like, see, tanking is smart because odds and like i can name you like the three speaking points of why tanking is is smart and it's like why it maximizes your odds whereas if i have to explain to you like why i think incrementally building and getting to 35 wins and then to 45 wins and establish it like if i have to explain that to you it actually requires a lot more nuance and i can't fit it into 280 character tweet you know it also it also requires a competent front office Really? Whereas I mean, that, tanking requires yes. you just to suck, which no, I, no, 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 no. I disagree. You need a competent front office to even do the tanking as well, right? Like you can't just. Tank. I don't think you do. No, like you can you just. Do. No, you have to because the whole form of tanking isn't necessarily just getting a top five pick. It's also then selecting the correct player and going through all those type of motions and as well. But that to me isn't tanking. See, like the difference is there's anyone can tear it down, right? It's building it back up. That's the harder part. So I don't think you need to be smart to tear it down. I mean, we see NBA Twitter GMs do it all the time. 
you just need to have enough knowledge of building it back up where it becomes beneficial for you. Well, and so I, I, I guess maybe the, the distinction, and correct me if I'm wrong, Drew, it might be that um, tanking is kind of like maybe it's not the entire process from start to contention or from bottoming out to contention, but merely just like the, the tearing it down part. And then as you're going along, you can still, you can still tank, but you need an eye for the future and you have to be somewhat smart to do that. But the other parts you can, you can just say, Oh yeah, I'd, I'd trade my best player for, for this package. Sure. I, I would also argue that you need a competent front office um, to, Kind of, um, I don't know if the better analogy is no one to hold them and no one to fold them, or um, if it's wh- when or to go Kenny all Rogers. in. <laughs> what? Kenny Rogers died. Thank you. Um, no, I. <laughs> here's, here's my. Here's what I was gonna say. If the pro, if the best way to tank with the new lottery odds is to not only be bad for several years, but to try to accumulate other teams' unprotected picks in years where it is a a strong possibility where they will not be in the playoffs, then for, for instance, if the, if the, obviously we know the Knicks are not going to do this, but if the Knicks hired, you know, um, Sam Hickey and he wanted to redo the process here, would he turn around um, and trade um, again? I have no idea that if the Suns would want to do this, but would he trade RJ Barrett to Phoenix for, um, an unprotected pick in 2022 would that you know that to me is the type of decision would he trade Mitchell Robinson to team x for their unprotected pick it's like I think those are the types of nuanced questions that you have to ask because like we saw Hinky do he traded Michael Carter Williams I would argue when his value was highest um so I don't know and it's I, I Schwinn to your point I agree with you that it's an easier argument to make for tanking but I think what what the other part about what makes the 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 build it slowly and competently um, the the issue with that is there's so many different ways to do it, which I think maybe gets us into and I don't we have we don't have to have a Chris Paul discussion, but like it no, gets us into the Chris Paul. Paul. No, we should have, we should have a Chris Paul discussion. I think it gets us into the Chris Paul discussion because listen, if he stays healthy. And you, you know, put a halfway competent roster around him. It's probably the quickest path to making the Knicks good next year. Um, you, we could quibble about the deal. So does when we, me and Jeremy talked about this last week. Like, is that the type of better that you want to get? I, I, I mean, no, we talked I about see, Gallo and we we joked about Gallo that he 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 was traded like if he was the best player on the Clippers. And he went out as soon as Kawhi came in. Then, like, does it really matter who's here when you get good? And doesn't it instead just make it matter if you are competent? I mean, I think that uh, that's like a very interesting question. So, to me, it's it's more of whoever you get, like, while you're getting good before you have a star. I think every acquisition you make should be about is this guy a player that either helps us achieve whatever it is that we set out to do on the court right now and if we trade him can we get value back for this player and i think at every single point when the clippers had galinari he was a value to them in trade 
they he would have net value, and they did get value from him eventually. Like very, I mean, he was there for what two or three years, I think. So I mean, he was there for a little bit, but at every point, he was a value to them. Chris Paul has absolutely no value to the Knicks beyond the two years that he plays. He has none, and he's going to end up taking up what will end up being because the cap's going to come down most likely, like forty percent of the cap, forty five percent of the cap, something like that. Who knows what it'll be? I just I cannot. He also has a much bigger effect on if he stays healthy, which is the giant elephant in this room. Yeah, I mean, he if he healthy. stays healthy, he has much more of a positive effect than Gallo does. So all of these conversations are along slight various sliding scales. You would agree right. to that at the but, very least. I, I agree, but it's like I think the sliding scale with Paul is just stupid. Like the point of getting Chris Paul is to add wins. Like that's essentially what you're. Like that's what we're talking about here. Okay, and <laughs> and and make your make your organization more. Well, I maybe we're. I see, but this is the thing: is like, do wins necessarily mean your organization is more competent, or does it just mean you traded for Chris Paul? <laughs> that, I mean, I, it, I depend, mean it depends. It depends. It can mean any of them. I, like, I mean, it could mean that. Yeah. Thing, look at look at the last three big market teams and how they've each gone about getting to where they're at. Right. You've got the Lakers who they tanked consistently. They had to keep their pick and they needed to land in the top two. And they were able to do that every single time except for the year where they had to give it up. And uh, I think Bridges was drafted with that. Mikhail Bridges. Yeah. They had LeBron James leave a championship caliber team in in a cakewalk of a, of a conference for a mediocre 35 win team. Knowing like, all right, I'm going to get my guy. But how unusual is it where – one guy who is at the prime of his career and at, at that point, probably the best player on the planet. You can make an argument, maybe KD, whatever. Like, Kawhi, that's that's uh, that's sure, quite. That's an astonishing thing to do. But then you look at a team like the Nets where, yeah, they made their playoff push and they did well and they booted their, you know, um, shining star and D'Angelo Russell. That's fine. They got two guys. They did that. But then you look at the Clippers who obviously were garbage for 20 years and they did something that if anyone had said two years, even a year prior, like, okay, Kawhi is going to leave. And then Paul George, who just re-signed with the Thunder, is going to demand a trade. And then the Thunder are going to say, yeah, sure. And they're going to hold the Clippers um, with their face to the fire and take everything from them. It's, it's the most ludicrous 2K shit that you could come up with. And yet, all three of those things worked. They didn't have to, but they each went about their business different ways. And so... The whole thing about tanking, yeah, and and we could say even with Chris Paul too. With my thing with Chris Paul is that if you find yourself in a situation, um, it's not like okay, we can just move forty five million dollars off of our books because it's an expiring contract and and do some sort of like two free agent, star free agent signing or sign one guy and trade for another. Um, and I think a lot of that's also rooted in how Chris Paul is treated. Is he treated like an asset because he was an all NBA player this past season? Or is he going to be treated like a liability because he's owed $85 million over the next two years? So it's like if he compromises what you're able to do in your second year and an opportunity arises, that could be great. Then that's totally different. It's it's crazy. But then how do you get around it? But whether the Knicks win with him and now they have no money to sign a guy or they lose with him and now they have no money and they're still focusing on on tanking or developing or whatever you want to call it. You can still make moves with each thing. You just have to say like, all right, if we're taking Chris Paul, we're committed to looking for stars in 2022 and probably not sooner. And if you don't, you're kind of still leaving the door open. 
And honestly, while I would prefer to leave more money available and have more flexibility, I've gotten to the point where you can navigate each where it's okay. It's, it's not like this is a do or die situation. Can I ask a question? I, I want to ask each of you what your opinion on something is because I think it's relevant to this. 